Welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. And Yen's today on the program. First of all, this is episode 299, which is... Whoa! Yes, yes. You know what comes after 299. Yes, yes. Uh, Number 300 comes next. And Yen's, we have some fun stuff planned for 300. I'll just let you know. Um, Exciting times for 300. We'd like to do creative and fun things for the centennial episode. Uh, and this well, we're one we're giving should... them a name now, huh? Centennial episodes. <laughs> the centennials, <laughs> yes. And this is the last was the bicentennial, right? Two hundred. This is the tricentennial, I'd say. Uh, nice, and, cool. Uh, and we have that coming up next week, so I'm really excited uh, about what we got cooking. So uh, it does involve a little bit of homework for you. Uh, which we it want does. to make sure I know. You, you gave me all the paperwork, and I'm like, oh my god, you can take me all weekend. <laughs> Well, you have you have a little little time to prepare, but uh, not a lot. So we'll good, uh, yeah, dude. I'm to, I'm so looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it. And in, in 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 some sense, you know, I feel like the 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 bicentennial two hundred or whatever you called it was uh-huh. you know like a year ago, but it was a long time ago. And it's this doesn't happen every year, right? I mean, like yeah, it definitely we, doesn't happen every year. I mean, it's just like ancient history. We, we average an episode a week uh, with, you know, a couple episodes off here and there, you know, but I mean, so we do nearly 50 episodes a year. Uh, and so if we're talking 100, that's, you know, at least two years between every 100. <laughs> and the podcast yeah. has been going going on for seven years now or something. Uh, so over seven years, which yeah. is crazy to think about. So I it's, know. It's an exciting time, you know. That yeah, it's just this it's time just flies, and it's like, wow, these numbers are just nuts. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll save talk about the centennial stuff, you know, for next episode. We'll have a lot of time. It's going to be a longer episode, I think. But uh, but uh, but we're going to have some fun. So definitely make sure to tune into that uh, on the show today. Yens, we have a band called the Shootouts, and the Shootouts. Nice. Yes. Love the name. Yes, yes. So we're going to uh, talk about that here in uh, a little bit. Uh, they're from Northeast Ohio. But Jens, before we get into that, um, let's uh, kind of catch up a little bit. I will tell you an, ex- uh, an exciting weekend just happened for me. And that was that um, I got to make duck sausage. And uh, if you know from recent years, that's one of the highlights of duck season for me is after season, you know, g- having saved up a bunch of duck. Uh, not all mine necessarily because hell i don't shoot a fucking ton but <laughs> but i try uh and uh, get more the, each season right right the idea is yeah. you you know your buddies they bring their the ducks that they've you know taken down at the uh during duck season Do you guys like save all the ducks in the freezer or something and then mm-hmm. at the end yep. of the season it's duck sausage factory time yep together so- and make all the duck sausage so we save a bunch of it we don't i mean we don't save all of our duck right but we save a good amount of our duck and uh, and Mm -hmm. freeze it and then have to defrost it a couple days ahead of time and brine it i do a brown sugar and salt brine um Mm -hmm. on my on my duck and we combine all the duck with pork right uh last year we did a 50 50 ratio oh yeah yeah. i'm gonna pause you said your duck 
So uh, are you saying that you contributed one duck to this entire <laughs> sausage making process? I might as well have, uh, because it wasn't an exceptional amount more, let's say. Uh, it was somewhere between one and 10 that I contributed, but I did, I did, I was gifted more from my friend Joe, uh, who uh, you, donated Joe. to the cause. And uh, so I came with just under five pounds of, uh, of duck breasts to, uh, to donate to the, the venture. And, um, and also I came with 25 pounds of pork. So I carry my weight, right? Um, we, so, yeah. so, so the, the, the picture, the, the, the photograph that you sent me during the sausage making event, Yes, I was scratching my head when I was looking at these pictures because you guys had equipment that looked, I mean, state of the art, yes, kitchen stuff, you yeah. know. And I was like, okay, the, the average person wouldn't have any idea where to even buy something like this. Like, you can't go to Bed Bath and Beyond and buy one of these, can you? I if mean, you're looking in, in a sheet store for uh, for duck <laughs> uh, sausage making supplies, then you're <laughs> in the wrong place, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, where are you guys? Is this some like duck sausage, you know, factory tour that you guys are are doing, or are you actually in someone's kitchen with this professional equipment? We, I mean, we were in, yeah, kitchen, and I mean, and we did have good equipment. Yeah, I mean, we have multiple sets that you know have been you know accumulated over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, not not the cheapest stuff, but you know, really good uh, quality um, equipment to. Uh, to make it to grind out the uh, the duck and pork and you know and then we need to uh, I mean we do it twice over grind so we grind it and then we grind it all again so it's a finer grind and then uh, you know stuff it you know into casings ultimately right uh, and um, and then we you know I bought a new vacuum sealer so that was a big purchase because I got a pretty you know relatively expensive one 130 bucks for a vacuum sealer or something and so um, you know, so we can have multiple. What does that do? Does that like? Well, so yeah, you put the duck into bags. Um, you know, I mean, once we have sausage links, right? We're putting it into mm -hmm. uh, little storage bags, and we vacuum all the air out uh, and uh, and seal them so uh, so that they so, don't get you know frostbite and. Um, I see. Is it called frostbite? Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, freezer freezer burn. Freezer burn. Yeah, I was like frostbite is something that happens to your toe when you stand yeah, in yeah. snow for an hour. But, uh, it's like frostbite for the dead duck, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for correcting. But yeah, uh, I had to throw away a whole thing of ice cream because the the, the 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 frostbite on it was so bad. I, I hope you <laughs> threw it under. into your away into your stomach because that sounds wasteful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had, it had the ice crystals and everything on it. I mean, it didn't even taste mm. terrible. Can't no, not good. No, so we want to, we don't, you know, we want to be protective of our stuff, and so this is going to help me also for going forward for when I bring home, uh, you know, game, you know, uh, whether it's duck or you know if I'm crabbing or something and want to save it, and make sure it doesn't get freezer burned. This is going to really help me with that uh, as well. Yeah. So, um, so so yeah, Good. so we yeah, you know, we had some, some guys. We had a kind of assembly line situation going, and we we made better time than last year even um, by a couple of hours. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and did like I don't know somewhere in the vicinity of seventy five pounds probably of uh, of sausage, um, mm -hmm. and you know and I probably brought home seventeen pounds or or something. So that's gonna you know right. last year's you know sausage left lasted me till literally the day before our duck mm -hmm. sausage party. 
Um, and <laughs> I said, duck sausage party. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I had the last of it for lunch the, the day before. And so I, I try and spread it out throughout the year and uh, it's great. And I really find value in, you know, in eating food that I made, right? Uh, right. Unlike anything else. So it's, yeah. it's really yeah. a rewarding process. Yeah, it's like, you know, most people we know can't say that they've ever done that. Yeah, it's I not can't say that I've ever done that. I don't think well, fishing, but that's different. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, but um, but it's great times. And you, you had a new acquisition over the the week as well. Um, we've been talking about it on the podcast, and it arrived. So why don't you tell us it what you obtained? Did yeah. Um, what day is it? Tuesday. <laughs> so I think. I don't even know. Have we had this thing a week already? So mm -hmm. in the in the backyard on the patio, we've got a, a hot tub that was delivered. Um, so it was delivered last week, and then on Thursday, I think, and then on Friday we had our neighbor electrician uh, come over and set it up. And uh, and you, and, know, and you said you, you said this was not delivered with water. It was not delivered with water. I couldn't believe it. Like I it's thought these things were delivered all ready to go. Yeah. You know, you, would think. That's, you, they, you know, they, they give you the brochure and it's mm. got water in it. It's got bubbles. And and it's pe got probably people, people sitting in know, it, you know, you having know, a great like, time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a visual guy. So I was expecting water and a bunch of people in it that I didn't know <laughs> that I could party with. Like, I can't wait to get a hot tub because you know, I want free water and I want new friends, basically, yeah. is why I got a hot tub. And, you know, the two things that were so exciting to me didn't happen. And I don't know, maybe I should return the damn thing. Uh, you but, know, you um, are probably within your warranty period. So, <laughs> yeah, I know uh, I've got to I've got to give those guys some feedback. They're, their advertising is misleading. Their advertising is misleading, Steve. No wonder you got <laughs> it so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was probably returned by someone. In fact, uh, yes. we got it so quickly. We got this thing 11, 10 months early because somebody had canceled an order. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we were on we were on a wait list for a year. So so somebody canceled their order, and I'm, I bet you they canceled their freaking order because they too didn't get water. Didn't get and them. And <laughs> God, this is, this is a this is like a real you know situation that is probably happening and i don't think it's been explored deep enough so yeah so anyway uh long story short um got the hot tub, hot tub working you know got the water in there um electrician told us it would probably take about 12 hours or so for the water to heat up you know to 104 um when the water when we filled up the, the the tub was just garden hose water it was at like 59 degrees or something and i'm like oh God, i'm so excited about this maybe i should jump in right now but i'm like now nah, wait till later yeah yeah <laughs> but, dude it, it took like five hours it was done so by midnight by like by by 12 30 in the morning it was it was ready to go at 107 or 100 were you checking it at 12 30 you were up and yeah. checking it <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're like, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Actually, is it ready? I fell asleep. I, I was totally gonna go do it, um, but I fell asleep on the couch like around eleven thirty or something, and I only had a couple more degrees to wait. Um, but then I woke up and I think it was three a.m. and it was 
totally ready to go. And I'm like, oh, I should jump in it right now. I should jump in it right now, but I'm so damn tired. So I passed out on the couch again. But then that morning, I jumped in there and I'm like, oh, all right, let's figure out how these jets work. And I figured out how the jets work. And then I found my favorite seat. And I'm like hanging out like this. Like, yeah, I'm in my tub at 6 a.m. And I'm like, we're all my new friends from the brochure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here all by myself, man. This sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry for yeah. So you know. I don't know. My you know my whole hot tub experience is kind of a mis mixed bag, uh, yeah. but I'll keep you updated. You keep me posted on how, if you, they. You know, it is possible that the the friends might have been a, in a part of a separate order. You know, coming from Texas because I know things are delayed that were were sent from That's there. True. Uh, just That's saying. True. You know. uh, there, there were there were four guys that delivered this thing into our backyard. Yeah. I invited them all to a hot tub party, but they all declined. <laughs> they declined it. That's weird. I wonder. Yeah, I know they, they liked me. I don't know why. They don't know a good time when they see it, but yeah. I know a good time, Jens, and it's uh to be had with Ryan Humbert from the shootouts. I think we should bring him in. The shootouts. Yeah, let's do this. You know. Yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Ryan? Good. Good. Excellent. I, I like your background, I have to say. So thank you. I thought, you know, we got to definitely promote the new record, of course. So. <laughs> I mean, that's a, absolutely a way to promote it for sure. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, thank so, you for uh, thanks for asking to do this. Hey, for, for sure. No, I mean, I, I got a chance to check out the new, new record, which is coming out April 30th uh, and is produced by Chuck Mead, right? So, yeah. Right. So <laughs> very, very um, excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could start with the new record. Um, I mean, tell me a little bit about it. Like, I mean, when did you make it? I mean, obviously we're in a weird time right now with uh, sure. making music and, uh, and everything. What did that yeah. look like? So, uh, you know, this new record basically began, um, I guess you could say in, in 2019, uh, I had the, a chance. I, I, I kind of do a little bit of, um, moonlighting as a as a radio host uh i have a radio show on a on a station in akron ohio i also recently turned that into a streaming station uh at americana roundup.com and uh i had the chance to interview jim lauderdale uh jason ringenberg and chuck mead all together while they were touring and uh, i had met chuck a few times just very randomly before that in nashville and had the chance to interview them and i gave him a copy of the shootout's first record and, um, you know, you know how that goes. You give somebody something like that and, you know, <laughs> you know, you never hear again. Yeah. You don't know exactly what, what you never hear from him again or anything. So, um, Chuck, I ended up running into him again at Americana Fest in Nashville. And he, uh, I said, hey, you know, do you ever produce? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, he, he told me how much he loved the record and was, I think into what we were doing. And, um, he gave me his phone number and I called him probably about two months later, I called him and I said, any chance you'd still be interested? And he said, yeah, I think I would. And uh, that was, that was probably late 2019. And we set the date uh, to record March 8th uh, of 2020. And so we had three shows. We played a show in Chicago, a show in Indianapolis and a show in Columbus, a sold out show in Columbus on March 7th, drove to Nashville the next day. We set up, we started the record and then, you know, the world went nuts, uh, literally that week. Yeah. So, you know, here we are recording this record and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're watching shows getting canceled and tours getting canceled. And, and that's not just for us. That was, 
you know, for Chuck and for our engineer, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're trying to make a record and yet, and you're in, you know, kind of like a, it's almost like a little prison, you know, when you're in the recording studio, a lot of times you don't even know what day it is. There's no windows. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden though, we're all watching our phones and we're seeing, you know, all of our livelihood go away. And we're seeing all of a sudden these lockdowns and all this stuff that was happening. And it was, it was a weird time to make a record. And, and that was on top of the fact that uh, less than a, less than I think a week and a half before we arrived, East Nashville got hit by a, a massive tornado. It, I know. I remember that. And it, oh my gosh, it was just like one thing on top of the other, uh, yeah. on top of another, right. You know, and it's just like, how much can you take? Yeah. Like, so, you know, here we are basically in the recording studio right after the tornado. And, you know, it was funny. I mean, we asked Chuck, we said, you know, do you think we should just wait? And he said, no, let's, let's, let's do it. And, um, you know, that was, we didn't really even know much about COVID at that time. And so, uh, you know, there were times when we'd finish recording and, and he'd have to run to a car dealership to look at a new car because his car was damp, you know, totally total because of the tornado and his wife lost her car. They lost a carport. They have neighbors that lost all sorts of stuff. And yet here he was willing to, uh, you know, to, to still stick with it and produce the record for us. Yeah. And, uh, and so you guys were able to push through. So all of the recording was actually done during that part, you know, when COVID was starting. Yeah. yeah we, we recorded from March 8th to March 16th. And at that, that whole time, you know, we're watching the news, we're watching everything unfold. Um, Cause that was really the week where everything changed. And, you know, it, it got to the point where like, as soon as our drummer and bass player were done, we sent them home. And then when our guitar player, like we recorded all the basic tracks together. Yeah. When you're done with that, you've got a couple little overdubs here and there of stuff, percussion and just double checking things. And, and the same thing with our guitarist, maybe he wanted to add a different, a second part or something like that. Uh, as soon as the bass player and drummer were home, were done, we sent them home. Uh, when our ba drummer or when our guitarist and our pedal steel player were done, we sent them home, had them take the van with them. We said, just go, just take everything. Emily, our, uh, long, my longtime backup singer, she was supposed to fly down, but that, at that point she was terrified about getting on a plane. So she canceled her flight. She drove down. Um, you know, nobody other than the band had been in our apartment that we were renting. So we felt okay about that. And we finished the record. We finished all the vocals and hopped in the car and and drove back home. I mean, it was and we tried not to stop as much, you know, if, if we didn't have to. I mean, it was it was strange. I mean, we weren't even sure we could get back in Ohio. Yeah, it's unlike you know, anything you've ever experienced. You know? Yeah, it's like something from a movie. You're like, what, am I going to be stopped at the state border? You know, so it was yeah. it was strange. I mean, we we literally cut the record as the you know the pandemic hit its stride <laughs> yeah and going into that did you have most of it written did you uh, did you have to do some writing in studio what are, yeah. no yeah you know what we had as a band you know we really uh I, I feel like one of our strong suits as a band when it comes to you know the the back end side of things is is working up songs and working up arrangements and um you know we took these songs to chuck largely as they sit um, and, and we went in there and, and there were a few songs where he would say, Hey, why don't we try this? Or I would like to change the drum pattern a little bit, or I'd like to do this. And, um, you know, we actually went to him with 15 songs and, and he had heard demos for most of them, but we went in and we, I, you know, we made him the list 
he he had a great list, a very cool list. Uh, I have a picture of all his notes on of it, and um, we you know we would go down the list, we'd play him the song, we would take a look at it and see if there are any options or ideas. We'd kind of flesh that out if there was something that he wanted to try a little differently about, like I said, a drum pattern or a different guitar part or something of that part nature. Uh, and then we'd cut it and that was it. I mean, we, we came to him with 15 finished songs. Oh, that's awesome. And so when you, when you had selected him to kind of produce this, like, what did you, what did you want him to pull out of you for, uh, you know, for this album? What did you, yeah. what were you wanting him to bring to the, the album? And do you think that that was accomplished? Yeah. You know, when it, when it comes to like, when we started the shootouts, you know, which is there's that so there's a definitely a story there as well but when we started the shootouts um you know we wanted to to i don't even know how to say this we wanted to kind of uh you know pay tribute to the folks that that we love and the music that we love and and we we definitely said okay what bands do we want to model ourselves after who do we want to hold as our echelon you know upper echelon of acts that we feel that that we would like to to um to strive to be similar to or be in the in that vein or be you know and and br549 and chuck mead were on that list you know as were many others but uh you know the idea i think with chuck was that we were fans of his we loved his music we loved br549 we knew that he would understand what we're trying to do, uh, because honestly, I think what we're doing now is very similar in a way to what BR5 was, 49 was trying to do 20, 30 years ago. And I think that Chuck immediately got that. I think, you know, he, he was a fan of the record. I think he understood that we were, what we were trying to do and who we were trying to be, what we were trying to present ourselves as. Uh, and we knew that, that he would bring an authentic country voice to the control room that would be able to say, no, no, this isn't how it's done in, in, in this type of country music. This is how it's done. And there were a few times when he did that and, and that's what we wanted. And uh, to be honest with you, out of all the different producers we've worked with, Chuck was the most enthusiastic. He was so fun to work with. Uh, you know, he knew when to pop up and say, that's awesome. That's a perfect, let's do that. He knew when to, you know, call you into the control room and tell a dirty joke. You know, I mean, it just he, you know, I, there's something really important about bedside manner when it comes to a producer, and and Chuck had that, you know, and he he was encouraging, um, you know, he knew what he wanted, but and he knew how to make us get there, but he did it in such a way that it was it was encouraging, it was fun, uh, and and you know at the end of the day, we're just making music. It needs to be fun. Right. And so, yeah. um, especially with the type of music that we do, you know, if we're not having fun, it's, it's going to show, you know? And so I think Chuck helped us, you know, make sure that we were being true to the type of music that we, that we do and, and being true to ourselves. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be happier with the record that we got out of it. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, you, what I read, you wanted to make a fun album, right? You yeah. wanted the album to be fun. So what were you trying to kind of bring uh, from, you know, I know you kind of explore different genres of like country and, and that sort of thing, but what were you kind of trying to uh, grow from your last album to this album? Well, that's kind of two questions there. So, you know, you would, uh, as far as the fun aspect, I, I'm kind of the type of artist, uh, 
or band leader, and I think that, that the band kind of agrees with me on this, that, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, there are people that will say, okay, they'll go into the studio and say, these are the 10 songs I'm going to record, and this is the album. And that's fine. You know, I've done that before too. But I, I tend to prefer, if you've got 15 songs that you feel really good about, go in, cut those 15 songs, and see what sticks. You know, there are going to be songs that will stand out to you. And that's what we did. We cut 15 songs for this record. There's only 12 on the record. The reason why is that 15 is way too many. Right. Uh, I think it's, too, I, I just felt it was too much for what we're trying to do. And, and Chuck was very, uh, felt the same way. He was very um, clear that he said, you know, uh, 15 songs is too much for a country record. And so what what I I did then, I kind of had the hard task of, of listening to those 15 songs and saying, where's the narrative here? You know, wh what makes sense in this group of songs? And I kept going back to the fact that the last year has been very difficult for a lot of people. And we're hoping uh, that, you know, we are maybe on the beginning of an uphill swing for ourselves as, as a country and as a world. Um, and, you know, that might be three months, it might be another year, could be, you know, we don't know that yet. But I, I, I so many people have, have really uh, taken this hard as they as it's not an easy thing to deal with. So I kept going back to the fact that there was a batch of songs that felt good together and that's what the record was and so the three songs that got cut it's not that they're bad songs at, at all they're actually some really great stuff but it just didn't fit the narrative of of let's let's make a record for people that have been going through a hard time that might want to just put this in roll the windows down and drive around for 30 minutes and enjoy themselves you know and there's nothing wrong with those types, nothing wrong with records like that. Not, not every record needs to be, you know, a, a deep introspective record. And yeah. they're, not that there aren't songs on here that tell, tell a story or songs that really have some emotion behind them. There certainly are. Um, but, you know, there's two songs that are slower and there's <laughs> 10 of them that are a lot more pretty upbeat, pretty fun. And uh, so that that's kind of, I think, where where that landed is that uh, I enjoy cutting what you've cutting what you have on the table, seeing what sticks and, and, and the songs are going to speak to you. They're going to tell you where you need to be. Yeah. Well, um, that was the so first part of that question. Then you, there was oh. the second part of what was the second part of the question that then you would ask? <laughs> now I have to go back. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't, I, I rambled okay. too long. I, probably. I probably rambled too long in the, in the question to make it a two part question. So that's not a good idea. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. So it was, it was about what you wanted to, you know, grow from the first, Oh, you know, yes. yeah. Yeah. We got there. <laughs> right. We got there. That's yeah, fine. You know um, so you asked about, uh, you know, how, how we, uh, how the band has grown since quick draw. Yes. Uh, you know, Quick Draw was a blast to make as well. That That is one record where we largely went in there with the songs we had. We had maybe one or two others, but we didn't even cut them. Uh, strangely enough, Rattlesnake Whiskey, which ended up on this record, we tried to cut for Quick Draw, and I'm glad it didn't work. It it, it wouldn't have fit with that batch of songs. Uh, it was It needed to be a little leaner and meaner, and that's, I, I think, Bullseye is a little leaner and meaner than Quick Draw. Yeah. 
Uh, Quick Draw was was very. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that record. It was fun to make. Uh, the producers that we worked with, uh, Jim Campolongo and Luca Benedetti, they were amazing. They really taught us a lot about framing a country song and framing these these uh, these tunes so that to make sure that they are are doing their job right. I mean, you start with a song called Cleaning House, you know, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, right. Not to... Yeah. And that record is very much, uh, I think that that record was a little more formal in a way, but not in a bad way. Uh, it kind of showed who we were, but it definitely missed a few things in the sense that you can't, you can't show everything on one record, right? So what I did is I sat down with Quick Draw and I said, what are, what are we missing from our live set? Obviously, we do every song from Quick Draw Live. What are we missing from our live set? And uh, we didn't have a song in a, in a uh, minor key. We didn't have any good old-fashioned hardwood country shuffles. Um, you know, there are definitely songs on this record that sound like they could have been on Quick Draw, as far as maybe songwriting-wise. But there are definitely songs on this record that are very different from Quick Draw, like Rattlesnake Whiskey or like um, I Still Care which is a, a, a shuffle or, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, there are stuff like I Don't Think About You Anymore or Saturday Night Town. Uh, you know, honestly, those songs would have been perfectly at home on on Quick Draw. But the idea was basically just to show some parts of the of the traditional country music genre that we love that we might not have put, you know, tried to put our own touch on. With the first record, we're, you know, trying it with this record. And again, I do feel like this record is maybe a little more lean and mean. I think it sounds maybe a little closer to our, what we sound like live. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, I'm not bad-mouthing Quick Drum by any means. I love that record. I, I think it was a perfect out-of-the-gate record for us to show who we were. Bullseye's giving us a chance to continue showing who we are. Yeah. And Rattlesnake Whiskey, there, I mean, you put out the video for, uh, for that. I mean, mm -hmm. that... It's really creative. I like the I like the video for it. Tell me where Thank you got you. the idea the idea for that. Well, you know, we knew that with you know when when we started talking about doing a music video for Rattlesnake Whiskey, you've got two options, right? You you have you have to you can't do it can't just be a band in a you know in a in a on a stage. If right. you're gonna do it, you got to tell the story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the problem being, you know, where the hell am I gonna find you know a everything that I would need to pull that off. And you're talking about a very expensive video, yeah. you know, co period costume and the old cars and, and the, the moonshine still and all this stuff. It just didn't sound like something we could pull off while COVID was ravaging our country in the middle of winter. Uh, well, we live in Ohio because, you know, yeah. so uh, the idea became, you know, let's uh, let's do it as an animated video. And so we, we the, my team and I, we tossed around a couple of names um, you know, friend of a friend type of a situation. He loved, I told him, I said, this is kind of what I want. Um, but I don't want to, you know, I don't, I didn't want to pigeonhole his creativity. I said, this is kind of what we're thinking and, and go at it. And he came back with that. And we made, I think one or two minor changes and we ran with it. I, we just thought it was too cool. I, I we love the, uh, you know, the, the vintage video clips of, of prohibition and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, the story, the story in the song is very similar to, to uh, maybe a little more rural than, than city likes, but overall uh, it, I, we felt, we felt that it really kind of captured the tone of the song. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
So, uh, so let's go back, right? I mean, you mentioned you're in uh, Northeast Ohio. Did you grow up um, in, uh, where, where you live? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, you know, all of us, uh, except for Emily, all of us were, you know, from this area. Um, Emily grew up in Indiana, so it might as well be Ohio, you know, vice versa, uh, ended up here, uh, in, in college. And that's how her and I met. Uh, I w- she was one of my interns at a radio at the radio station I was working for. And, and I, I can say this safely because she would say it as well. She actually said it on an interview yesterday. She was not a good intern. <laughs> uh-huh. And, but she said, you know, I sing a little bit. And I said, well, I sing a little bit. She came to a show and we, you know, we kind of uh, hit it off and we realized that we had this, this nice tone together and we enjoyed singing together. And here we are 18 years later. I mean, we were just kids, you know, when we met. So we've been singing together now. We are this, this is, we are entering into our 18th year. Yeah, wow, that's a long time. And and uh, I saw a video. You guys went sledding like last week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her and I went sled riding with a bunch of friends last week. We felt it was a great way to safely see our friends, to do something outside. We still they still had made you wear masks, which is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And um, you know, it was a nice way to be outside, enjoy that. We had a, a, you know, it was like thirty two that day, which was a you know felt like a heat wave. Right. Uh, so we we had a blast. And uh, as far as the other guys in the band as well, they're all from the area. Dylan Gomez. Actually, Dylan may have been born out of state. I don't know that for sure. Ryan McDermott, Brian Poston, all from this area. And, uh, you know, we've kind of got that Rust Belt Midwestern work ethic, I think. You know, it, it kind of runs through us. And um, and that goes, I think, for the all five of us. And uh, I th- the band started when I met Brian Poston, that was really yeah. where, where it started. I met Brian and he was, you know, he's, he's, he was a lot younger than he's younger than me, but he, he, we, we kind of bonded over this love of classic real traditional country music. And we, for about a year, we said, you know, we should start a band, just go out and have fun. Like just go out and play country music. And, uh, it's what we did. It took about a year. Um, and I, I have a tendency to my to follow a motto of mine, which is anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Mm-hmm. And so we did it right. On our very first show, we went out there, we dressed the part, we, you know, which is something that I feel is very important to pay tribute to those that came before in the genre. And I feel like the music that we're doing, you know, deserves that respect. It wouldn't be the same if we walked out there in a t-shirt and jeans and, and did that. So we did our very had our very first show in October of 2015, and uh, I've said it before in other interviews. It was it was like a bolt of lightning. I felt like okay, this is it. You know, all the other stuff I'd done before, you know, not not bad mouthing that, but this felt right. This felt like this is what I met was meant to be doing, um, and it was it was infectious. And and I decided that it was kind of like an, something that was decided. Uh, so, you know, subconsciously that, all right, this was it, you know, this is going to be the focus. And it was meant to be a side project just to go out and have fun. And after that first show, I, I knew that this was it. And, and I was on to something and it felt like I was at home. It's kind of a love at first sight sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we felt, you know, it, it really, it plays, it played to a lot, I think a lot of my strengths and Emily's strengths and Brian's strengths and stuff that, that maybe we had kept at arm's length a little bit before, but now, you know, all of a sudden uh, it felt, it felt like, okay, you know what the puzzle, the, the puzzle piece, that last puzzle piece finally fit. 
and uh, and now it's telling the whole story. Yeah. And so when you started, like, how regularly would you play shows? What did the touring <coughs> look, look like? Um, well, when we first started, I think we were still trying to figure it out a little bit. You know, I mean, it was all of a sudden it this felt right, and we, you know, had to kind of figure out where to go from there. Um, largely played local and regional shows at first when we first started a lot of covers we didn't really have a lot of originals i think we only had three or four at most uh and and you know but we knew we didn't want to be a cover band doing this and not you know we still go out when we when we go out if we play a two-hour show you know you're going to hear some classic country mixed in with our stuff but now with bullseye you know we've got 24 plus some um you know some unreleased stuff we've got we've got enough stuff that we can really flesh out a set with our original material now. Yeah. So, um, you know, then, then we started touring, uh, as we could, a lot of regional stuff at first. Um, and really we had a pretty amazing year on track for 2020. Uh, we had tour dates in, we were supposed to be in Los Angeles, in Iowa, Chicago, Memphis, Nashville, uh, we had a, some stuff that was in the works to be in Texas for a couple couple days, and every bit of that got canceled because of COVID. Every bit of it. So we're still, you know, we're still figuring it out. And now, you know, now we're back to square one as far as, um, you know, I think when this record comes out and and it's safe to be able to go out and tour, I think we're going to have some options there. But I think it's, uh, you know, we're picking up a lot of pieces just like a lot of people are. Yeah. And I think you played a show in October, well, a show or two, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. what did that, what did that look like for you? I mean, as far there... as October of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of that stuff that we did was largely, uh, I think we, we only did one full band show. I take that back. We did two. We did one that was a live stream in a beautiful venue uh, for Case Western University, but there was nobody in the audience nobody in the room with us, not even camera operators. They were all mounted throughout this beautiful room. So it was just the band. They were the only people in the room. That was it. Uh, we did that in, I think it was August. And then in October, we did an outdoor event for a local, uh, big local event for a local, I don't even know how you describe this place, marketplace area. Uh, it's like a tourist trap type of thing. Mm -hmm. They put up a big outdoor stage, They, you know, and they made sure it was safe for everybody. Uh, to do that. And, and that was great. It, you know, it, it was so much fun. Uh, what's funny is we have a sound guy that's done a lot of stuff with us and he's kind of what, one of our regular sound guys. And, and he was at that show and, and we hadn't played together in two months. Uh, and he said, man, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen from you guys. And I said, you gotta be kidding. We, I, we all felt rusty, you know, but you know, it, it just goes to show that, um, you know, I don't know. It just goes to show that I, I think folks, uh, that are out, you know, you might think you're rusty and they might think it's the best show ever, you know? So, yeah. uh, and th those two went well. We also did a handful of, uh, like acoustic, uh, parties, I guess you could say last year, Brian and Emily and I did probably, probably six different events for people at their houses, socially distant, safe. We also did one up somewhere near Lake Erie. Uh, there must've been 300 people there, but it was a little private community. And they, everybody was spread out. They all had masks on. It was incredible how well everybody followed the rules at this event. And it was great. It, we literally played with Lake Erie behind us. And, you know, so we did some private stuff. We did anything that we could that would that was safe, that we felt good about, uh, that we wasn't going to put, 
ourselves or anybody there in danger of, you know, uh, risk of COVID. But uh, it was, you know, we did the made the best we could of it. And I and we're going to try to do that again this summer. I don't really believe that touring is in the cards again yet. I think most bands realize that, uh, especially it really depends on where you're stationed too. if you're in a warm weather climate, it's, it might be a little easier. Not as easy in a, in a cold weather climate. Um, but I, I just I just think that from what I've been hearing, there won't be a, a lot of touring this year. I think we might get back to concert venues being opened regularly by fall, but a lot we, there's a lot of things that could change on a daily basis to change that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you about, a, you know, a couple of artists that you've played with. You, um, mm -hmm. You've uh, you've played with Cheryl Crow and also mm -hmm. Zach, uh, Zach Brown Band, right? Yeah, gosh, the Zach Brown one was a while ago. That was... Um... Oh God, it was a while ago. And that, and that was funny. It was an acoustic show. They wanted just an acoustic set. Uh, you know, they didn't want a, a full band. Uh, Cheryl Crow, man, I, I've, I've been, had a crush on her since I was, you know, 15. I, mm -hmm. all you gotta, all you gotta watch is the, the, if it makes you happy video, you know? Uh, and so that was part of a festival event. That was great. It was a cool event that same day. We, you know, we, uh, Part of that event with us was Lake Street Dive was there, Trombone Shorty was there, uh, Cheryl was there on the same stage that we were on. I think it was the same stage we were on. Uh, they had two big, huge stages set up, and we got to, you know, we got to play on one of those. It was a great, great event, and got to meet her and talk to her and everything, and uh, that was great. She was very nice, and you know, that's the one thing about a lot of the folks you get to, if you get a chance to open for some of these folks. First off, you should treat it as a master class because that's what it is, right? If you get a chance to. To open, you know, we open for Marty Stewart and the fabulous superlatives, and we idolize those guys. I mean, they're they're up there. You know, it's it's them and Dwight Yoakam and the Mavericks and and um, you know and and BR five four nine and 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 George Strait and a handful of others that we we just idolize. And uh, to get to open for them, you know, I mean, you get to literally it's a masterclass in performing to watch those guys. Uh, on top of it, they were all as nice as could be and you know, had a great chance to talk to all of them. I've had a photo somewhere of all of Emily and I with them. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really great when you get to go out and, and do those things because you get to learn from them. Plus you just get a chance to watch some of your favorites from side stage, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the things you've learned from seeing some of you, some of your favorites mm. perform? Boy, I mean, you know, showmanship is such a big thing. And I think that especially with the music that we're trying to do. I, I think that, you know, when you see Marty Stewart in the superlatives, there's a level of showmanship there that they don't just, you know, they're not too cool for the room. They don't just come out and strap on their guitars and start playing. I mean, there's, you know, you feel like you're seeing a, a traditional country show, you know, uh, that was, that's one thing that definitely learned. I mean, just how to, how to, how to, um, put together a set list how to you know how to how to make that flow so that you know you've got the right feel for a show if, if you know the artist well like we did with Cheryl or Marty you know you know that their catalog well and you see how they structure a set list it kind of helps you think about how you would relate your set list to a show like that uh those that's just a few of the you know a few of them it's uh it's always just an honor it's also it's also something else to be learned is uh you know how they treat people. You know, yeah. if you you see some of these major artists, and we opened for Chris Isaac, nicest guy in the world, out there. You know, had his dog, and he's out there talking to everybody, and 
taking pictures and telling stories and had, you know, would sit down and talk to you. Um, there's something to be said for that. You know, I mean, it, it, it it's uh, in, a, in its own weird way. That's a teaching moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so you, you'd mentioned covers earlier, like when mm-hmm. you go, uh, I mean, you, you recently, I think did a cover of Bob Dylan's It Ain't Me Babe, right? Yes, we did. Yes. So when you go into kind of do a cover song, how do you approach it? How do you pay, you know, respect to the original artist, but, uh, sure. but kind of make it your own at the same time? Well, so, you know, the shootouts, we've, we've done a couple cover songs um, on, on record at this point. We did, uh, I think there were four of them on Quick Draw, and there was no, there's no covers on the new album. Uh, but we also went in and we covered, uh, a, put our own, you know, kind of country stamp on a uh, ELO song <laughs> and, and, uh, and also a, uh, a Whitney Houston song. And then just recently, an acoustic version of this Bob Dylan tune. So, you know, how do you pick the how do you pick the songs? I mean, it's just got to speak to you in some way. You, you've got to be able to feel like you can bring something to the table uh, with it. And you know, with it ain't me, babe. That was part of a, a project from Cleveland, uh, a company called Cleveland Verses, a nonprofit that um, wanted to put something together to help musicians and help um, venue workers, things like that. They're out of work right now. So it actually is a massive project. There might be 32 different songs, I think, if you look that up by different artists from Northeastern Ohio. And we, Emily and I have sang It Ain't Me, Babe, for years. And we went into a studio, uh, got it all set up. It was me, Emily, and Brian. Uh, we did this, you know, during COVID. So you have to take that into, pro, you know, into uh, consideration and how we had everybody stationed in the room and with masks and everything. Uh, so we decided to, cut the song we cut maybe half of one just as a little test to make sure all that everything sounded right uh, and i was playing guitar at that point too i looked at brian and i said you know i don't think i want to play and i put the guitar down and i said let's just do it with just you and me and emily singing and uh we cut it and that was the take i mean what you hear with that cover that was it was the first or i don't know first full take first full take maybe the second take if you want to be uh, if you want to get nitty gritty on it, but, uh, and that was the take and that's what you hear. It was all live in the studio, no fixes, no anything. Uh, and that's, that was that. And so, uh, you know, just, there's just gotta be some sort of reason why you pick a song that you do. And, and, it, and a lot of times it comes down to, it's a song you love. Uh, I'm a huge ELO fan and that's where that came from. I, I, I've loved, I absolutely love Jeff Lynn. I think that man does no wrong. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, just, I asked Brian, I said, do you think we could make this country song? I feel like it would fit. And we kind of worked that up together as a band. And uh, with the Whitney Houston song, that was more about kind of showing people what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a song that a lot of people know very well. And we said, what would it sound like if Patsy Cline were going to do it? Uh-huh. You know, and that's that's where that came from. You know, it's a song everybody knows. Everybody loves that song, even if you don't want to admit it. You know, it's, it's which, a one, song. which one is it? It's I want to dance with somebody. OK, OK. I mean, our, people our age group and their you know, 20s, 30s, even 40s. We grew up with that song, you know, so uh, it just was fun. Brian Poston put that whole arrangement together and really did a great job <clears throat> as far as kind kind of arranging the tune. And then when we got to Nashville, uh, the two producers we worked with uh, on that song, um, Skylar Wilson and Jordan Lenning, they kind of helped us kind of, you know, finish the arrangement. Uh, we kind of came 
I'd say we came probably 80% of the way with the arrangement and they kind of helped us cross the finish line with that. Uh, and then on quick draw, we did a couple covers as well. If I could is a cover uh, of a Tim Carroll song. Tim Carroll's a very talented songwriter from Nashville. Uh, we did um, a cover of an, of an old Shel Silverstein song that Bobby Bear recorded called Alimony, pretty obscure tune. Uh, and then we did a cover of a friend of ours, uh, a guy named Mark Lee Shannon, an incredibly talented singer-songwriter from Northeastern Ohio. He wrote If We Quit Now, and I produced a record for Mark uh, back in 2017 or 18, I think it was right in there. Can't remember. I think we released that record for him in, in May of 2018. So it was earlier that year we recorded. I think we recorded in January. And um, that song just felt perfect. And I, Emily was there. She sang some harmonies on his record for me. And um, Emily and I were singing it in the control room and kind of felt like this could be a perfect tune for the shootouts. And Mark kind of gifted it to us, man. So we, you know, he said, I would love it if you would cut that song. So we, we did that. And then we also cut a song by George Dukas and Stacey Earle, a song that Stacey um, put on one of her records that Emily and I've loved for years called uh, Must Be Love. And it's just a song we loved. We sang for years and we felt we could make it a shootouts tune. Well, that's awesome. Um, and so as we went down, tell me about uh, your Americana radio station. You mentioned mm -hmm. it earlier, but mm -hmm. like, how did that come about? What, what you wanted to kind of create that? Yeah. So I, I got into radio in, while I was in college, um, just kind of helping out at a, at a radio station in, in Ohio. I was in college in, in Pittsburgh and I was like driving back and forth even to do some you know, do some work with them. Uh, a job opening opened up there right after I graduated. Uh, it was for development director. I had some experience with, you know, marketing and graphic design and all that type stuff and, and a little bit of sales, but, uh, you know, they gave me the job and, and I, I went in and, and I said, I'm going to, you know, kick ass here. And uh, it was, it was fun. It was a successful run there. I was there for about five, six years. I left to primarily do music full time. And uh, while I was there, I had a radio show called the Side of the Road Radio Hour, and it was nothing but Americana music. Uh, when I left, the show ended. And when I went back, they, you know, I always had a relationship with that station, and they asked me to come back um, probably about six years ago. And I said, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to come back full time. I, you know, things are going well with the band and with, the, with music and um we kind of went back and forth a few times. They asked me twice to come back and uh, finally decided that it would be best if I came back kind of as a consultant, part-time work from home, you know, it's all marketing and graphic design. It's all stuff that is very flexible and it's stuff that I can work on around the band. So it's a nice way to help bring in, you know, bring in some extra money uh, and help put food on the table when, you know, times are lean. And so after I was there for about, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or so, we, we decided that we discussed that it'd be great to start a radio show back up again. So I called it the Americana Roundup. It's two hours every Sunday morning on the summit, WAPS in Akron, Ohio, 91.3 FM, 90.7 FM in Youngstown, 91, I'm sorry, 91.3 in Akron, Canton, 90.7 90 in Youngstown. And uh, it's, it's a blast. And I, I have two hours to play whatever I want. I, I, it's, it's an Americana show. So I stick largely to that genre. I, I will, you know, certainly bring in a little bit of rock or cl classic rock or classic country or folk or blues. And, but those are all part of the Americana genre anyway. 
So the show, even though it's on a Sunday morning, uh, the show has been largely successful. And we we have listeners that said they wake up and listen, you know, on Sunday mornings and they they share breakfast with me and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, I decided that during COVID would be a good time to finally expand on that. The idea was at one point into a syndicated show and I still might do that at some point that, that, that discussion is being had still, but I thought, you know what, let's, let's do something that I know I can do while COVID is going on. And so I decided to turn it into a 24 seven streaming channel. So if you go to americanaroundup.com, it's free. You can listen anywhere. You can listen on your Amazon Alexa. You can download the app, an app to listen. You can listen right there on the website. There are over 5,000 songs in rotation, you know, multiple categories. Uh, over 5,000 songs in the library, and I handpicked every one of them. So wow. it's it's a curated, you know, highly curated Amer- look at the Americana genre. There's a little bit of blues, a little bit of bluegrass, a little bit of classic rock, but of course, very heavy on, you know, the, the Americana artists of yesterday and today. So uh, it, it's it's been very fun. It's a passion project of mine. I want people to uh, hopefully more people to continue to discover the great music that lives in the genre, whether it be bands like the shootouts or, or, you know, different artists um, of uh, whether it be a little more bluegrass or a little more soul, a little more rock. There's a lot of things that, that live in the Americana genre. And I'm hoping I can just hope continue to, you know, spread the word about, about the genre to people. Well, that's a, that's really cool. And is, is that where the nickname shooter sharp came from? (laughs) Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't really use it much anymore because, you know, we originally, <clears throat> the original idea was to name the band something kind of fun and, and tongue in cheek, like Buck Owens and the Buckaroos or Merle Haggard and the Strangers or, you know, something of that, but, you know, Bob Wills and Texas Playboys, something like that. So we said, well, it'd be fun to call it Shooter Sharp and the Shootouts. The biggest problem was nobody could get it right. I mean, my, my, you know, my own mother had trouble remembering the, the name, but I stuck with it for a little while. And uh, our, the program director from the radio station said, why don't we call it Shooter Sharp's Americana Roundup to kind of play off of what, you know, I said, all right, let's do it. So um, we, the band, we, we called ourselves that for a while and it was before Quick Draw, uh, we opened for our friend Radney Foster. I've opened for him numerous times and we were talking backstage and he, he's been he's been very helpful giving us advice and such and uh i mentioned to him i said i'm thinking of shortening the name he goes you absolutely should he goes it's amazing to me that you know the shootouts isn't taken and it, it wasn't and uh he goes i think i really think you should shorten the name and i said well that's it right there i mean i've been thinking about it anyway when radney foster tells you to do it you do it, you know? So, and honestly, it's, it's, it's so much easier. And we've had so many people that are like, oh my gosh, I love the name, but I don't know if they would have, if it was as long as it was before, you know? So uh, that, that little nickname was self-imposed in a way, but then it kind of stuck. And uh, now I'm trying to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's here. It's living on forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to, trying to live that one down. So it, it's, it's, uh, I don't hear it too much anymore, but every once in a while, but so you must've done a, d- a deep dive. If you, if you, uh, <laughs> if I you do were, my research. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you do. Yes, you do. No, it's, it's great. Uh, actually, I think uh, it was an, an article on your Instagram uh, yeah. page. That yeah. Was, but 
mention so. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying yeah. to live it down, trying to. But and it, you know what? It's fun. I, it doesn't bother me by any stretch no. of the imagination. Uh, it's you know, it was it was part of who we who the band who we were who were started. And a lot of bands have had name change name changes before they, you know, uh, you know, started doing things on a bigger level. And that's it's kind of where we are. Yeah, well, it works. And uh, and I know you're, I'm sure you're excited to, for the album to come out here in, uh, you know, yeah. in under two months. So. God, you know, it feels good to, to be able to say, uh, you know, the record's finally coming out. I mean, when we were recording it, you know, here we are watching the world collapse. And, uh, you know, we're like, well, now what? You know, when is this going to come out? You know, uh, our original plan was to release it last October. We were going to finish it and pretty much, you know, get things started on, you know, uh, the process. But, uh, you know, I'm glad in, in a way, I'm glad that it played out the way that it did as far as the release schedule. I don't, of course, like how we got here. I don't like that it's because of a pandemic, of course. Um, but, you know, it, it allowed us to take our time a little bit more. We were able to put together an amazing team. We're so excited to be working with Soundly Music and some of the folks that we're working with. And, and Soundly has just been amazing. Um, you know, we our, our publicists are great. Our radio reps, we're getting ready to release a, the official single uh, on March 17th. The song is called Everything I Know. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty fun song. It kind of reminds you of some of the 90s country that we, that we you know, that we love. Like, the, like we had said, the Mavericks or Dwight Yoakam or Marty Stewart or, or some of that stuff. And uh just meant to be kind of a fun, fun tune. So we're excited about that song. That's going to be the single that comes out soon. I mean, we're, our whole team is great. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited people finally get to hear it, finally get it out there. And hopefully, like I said, uh, people can enjoy it. Yeah. And hopefully not in the not too distant future, be able to tour it. Right. So that would be great. It'd be, it would be great to be able to get back out there, you know, especially on the heels of this record. Uh, you know, that may or may not happen at the very least excited that, you know, we get to, to connect with our fans, get this music out there, um, and you know, and, and continue to build what we're what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you for taking the time. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it too. You know, we loved chatting about the new record and everything. And um, people can find out more about the band at shootoutsmusic.com. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff up, up for pre-sale right now, which is a really important way to you know to support artists right now during this tough time is to buy stuff directly from them. And, uh, you know, we have some fun stuff up on our web store. I'm a huge vinyl fan. So we've, uh, we've got uh, three, three different colored vinyl uh, on, on the website. We've got a whole bunch of new shirts. We've got rattlesnake whiskey shot glasses, <laughs> I like you it. know, so yeah. So a lot of fun stuff and uh, we're on all the social medias and everything. And, and we love hearing from folks. So. Hey, very cool. All right, that was the interview with the shootouts here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? You know it, Steve. It is time for some music news tonight. Right. Uh, we each have a couple of stories, and uh, Jens, I will let you go first with your uh, first story. All right. You know what? You're uh, you're throwing me off here because usually I am. I let you take the lead on this, so you know if I if I mess up on some of the names, maybe it's just because I'm extra nervous. It, because you it's got to be because of that, right? So yeah, right, 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 right. Not because you know I suck at 
pronouncing stuff. No. Anyway, no, I got a story for you, and it's about Green Day. Something about Green Day. Okay. Something about Green Day. All right. Ready for this? Yes. All right. So Green Day side project, the network, play a riotous set on Fallon. Exciting times. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Fallon, is that a new show? Or are they talking about like <laughs> the Tonight Show or um, whatever that show is that he's on? I would say it's probably safe to say it's the Tonight Show. Yeah, the Tonight Show. Right. Okay. Not that he has a spinoff. Like they, he got fired or something because he never went to work, just stayed at home all the time. So now he right. has his own show from home called Fallon. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But I think anyway. a lot of bands are playing. You know, like show, like them playing shows is just doing a distance thing, and then it's yeah. edited into the show. Right. They're not actually yeah. at the show. You know. Right. In, probably most cases so yeah, yeah exactly kind of the, the the magic of hollywood has now been brought to the home <laughs> yeah i know right so and do stuff like that yeah okay so this uh secret band um played fret level midnight uh in a public access tv style performance so um i so i guess this is a green day side project yeah, and I've seen them open for Green Day at the Warfield years and years ago. So, I mean, it had to have been like, oh, four, oh, five. Years ago, maybe? Yeah, yeah but probably about oh, five uh, that I saw the network open for Green Day, which was freaking awesome. Well, you know, that's high on my list. We're talking, you know, favorite concerts in the last episode. That's high uh -huh. on my list of favorite shows also. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was 16 years ago. Um, February 27th, after 16 years. Um, so you can go online and watch and watch that. And I, I'm looking at some pictures here and it looks fucking crazy. What is this guy wearing? He's like, I don't know. I can't even see his face. You don't see, see, so you don't see them because they're incognito. You don't, you never get full confirmation that it's the members of Green Day, by the way. So there, that's part of the, you know. That's you know, that's, so mystery. That's totally yeah. intentional, right? But yes. it's assumed, I would assume that it's that. You would assume probably correctly, but yeah. But no one has ever captured photos or video of them performing as the network. Uh, I with mean, their faces. not with their faces, probably. So, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, this not so secret band returned. Did I say that sounded like the Nazi? Secret band. The Nazi the secret not, band, got it? <laughs> the not, the secret. not so secret band returned last year. Well, they are like wearing red and like black, so sorry. Um, yeah, the not so secret band, and they've got stripes, um, returned last year releasing their latest album, Money Money 2020 Part 2, Told You So, in December, marking their first full-length LP since 2003's Money Money 2020. Wow. They also dropped the Trans Am EP in November. So I'm wondering if this is like becoming a theme. Like we get to wait another 16 years for, you know, part three. 
We might. And and I'll tell you, you know, I didn't, haven't heard the most recent stuff, but I'm sure it's probably better than the most recent Green Day material. So, uh, ah, see, maybe they're putting all their effort into this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, they need to make something different. So <laughs> to make up for yeah. Yeah. The, the disaster of their last albums. Um, not a fan <laughs> of their last albums. We've yeah. talked about that. Yeah, recently. we talked about that recently. Yeah. So yeah. for the new no. Fallon performance, the band appeared in their trademark mask running through a riotous performance of their track, Threat Level Midnight, before promptly trashing the set. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's intense. That. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's a thing to do. Yeah. Fucking trash the set. Yes. Well, uh, I, yeah. I do want to check out that performance. I haven't seen it yet, so uh, I will check that out very soon. Um, hopefully it's good. good. Um, yep, yep, and uh, like you were saying, they uh, supported uh, Green Day in San Francisco. This uh, last time that happened was uh, October thirteenth, two thousand five. That sounds about right. Look at that! I called the year. Uh, yeah, you did. Wow, they you haven't did. played since then. Wow. Okay, that's super cool. Um, Talking about time flies. Yeah. Um, so Jens, my my first story uh, is about Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon. And- yeah, my son is obsessed, so it's he making is. its way into the music news. Uh, <laughs> uh, he really enjoys himself some Pokemon. Well, there's a Pokemon he, compilation album that's coming out. There is. Is, is. is it from your son? Did he uh, compose it? He, yeah, he, he made some music. He you know did some doodling on the keyboard and uh, made himself a compilation. Um, right. But, but uh, so some of it's still secret, but uh, Jay Balvin, I don't know who that is, but um, he joins Katy Perry and Post Malone on this compilation album. So there's some heavy hitters uh, involved, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so um, at the end of the Pokemon Day 25th anniversary virtual concert, which happened on February 27th, um, it was headlined by Post Malone. A somewhat ambiguous end card appeared on the screen with Balvin and uh, Katy Perry's names. Uh, so mm. people were speculating, I believe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Rolling Stone learned that both Balvin and Perry, who uh, was announced at, uh, as the face of Pokemon's celebratory P25 campaign in January, they're creating original songs uh, as part of a 14 track album called Pokemon 25, the album. Um, it's going to include music by 11 different universal uh, music group artists and will be released by Capitol Records in the, the fall. So um, Balvin did say that his song isn't done yet, though. So wow. still still working on it. Uh, it's close. Um, and uh, and so it's uh, uh, it lines up, you know, again, this is the 25th anniversary. So people are, I guess, excited uh, for this milestone. Um, and there's going to be, you know, more artists that are announced in the, uh, as it gets closer, but there's some surprises in store as well. So um, there, when asked specifically if artists from Asian territories were involved, especially given that the Pokemon company is a Jap- Japanese company, representatives were unable, unavailable to comment. So, um, yeah, you know, I still need somebody to explain to me what Pokemon is. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. Everybody was, you know, using their phones and like following their phones around, you know, looking in corners, yeah, like, you know, where all the, thing. yeah, yeah, for that, never touched yeah. it. It just like creeped me out, you know, that everybody's just walking around. I mean, I'm glad people are getting out of their houses. I think some died 
uh, by walking through intersections, not paying attention oh, to where they're going, just like, oh, you know, yeah. like following Pokemon. Cook- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. And, uh, you know, does it serve them right? That's not for me to say, Yen. But, uh, uh, but I'm telling you, that phase was lost on me. And I just, I don't like to be plugged in that closely to my phone, and especially something fake. Like, it's just, it never yeah. had attraction, traction for me. So, yeah. You know, I, but, I, I got to admit, I did download Pokemon Go in the hopes that mm-hmm. it would be interesting enough to encourage me to actually leave the house and exercise. <laughs> but How'd that I work never, out? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I launched the app once maybe, and then it was on there forever, and I ended up deleting it. And I figured I got to do something else to get out of the house, so I got a dog, and that was uh, a lot it, more. It took- it took like ten years to to get there. But hey, now I am out of the house every day to walk it's the working. dog, and maybe I can play Pokemon Go and walk the dog at the same time. I Not advise her. against it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, you have one more story for us, Jens. Yes, I do. I almost forgot about it. All right, so um, got a story here. Uh, Tom DeLong. Teases new Angels and Airwaves album on the way. He says, quote, new album coming. This is the one, unquote. Mm, the one. Okay. Is it the one okay. after the one, one? Or I don't know what that means. Man, just don't confuse things. All right. He said, this is the one. Okay. Don't make it uh, more confusing than it has to be. This is the one. All right. I'm sure it's good. If, ands, or buts. So he uh, is continuing to tease uh, the new album uh, via his Instagram account. Um, Having released a string of singles, all that's left is love, Rebel Girl and Kiss and Tell. DeLong revealed earlier this month that the band were back in the studio working on their long awaited sixth LP. So it's the sixth. It's not the one. It's the one. <laughs> oh, They're okay. Got it, one, got it. Got it. The one. The one, Tom. Right. We got it. Yeah. We got it, Tom. I'm sure. Yeah, you love all your kids equally. Oh, wait. No. No, wait. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I got a girlfriend. She's the one. Oh, I have another girlfriend. She's the one. You know. She's also the one. Yes. <laughs> you got to be excited about it. So it's going to be the one, even if it doesn't end yeah. up being the one. It's the, one, it's the I, one for that moment. And that's all that matters. It's the one for that moment. I stopped okay. listening to Angels and Airwaves a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> just to be honest, uh, uh, I, I was into their stuff at first, but I don't know. He, he lost me. So, um, yeah. I have fond memories. Let's see. Angels and Airwaves' last full-length record came in the form of 2014's The Dream Walker. Since then, they've shared three EPs. So that's 2014, okay, that's six, seven years ago, okay. Uh, on Thursday, the former Blink182 uh, guitarist, who last year stated that he would definitely reunite with his old band again at some point, uh, shared a picture of himself stood against a white backdrop and the words, quote, the world is different now. We feel more of us. You know, that tells me, that feels like he's chasing aliens again, like a, a little bit, right? He's got some UFO, uh, you know, kind of yeah. paths that he's that he's followed. And if you want a lot more information on that, listen to his interview on Joe Rogan. But, yep. uh, but 
it's, eh, I don't know. Anyway, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of him for creating a new album. That's great. But I don't see him getting together with the Blink-182 guys anytime soon. Much yeah. to his dismay. Do you think, do you think he has a better chance of doing that than, uh, I've got to imagine he has a better chance of doing that than um, uh, the Oasis getting back together. I'd say that is probably more likely than the Oasis reunion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the Blink-182 has moved on with Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio, and they don't seem disappointed to have someone who can be there consistently and on this planet. So um, that's just my opinion on the, the situation. But we'll see. All right. You never know. Yeah, to, to end that story, I'm just going to say, quote, this new Angels and Airways album is epic, unquote. The musician wrote before signing off with, the rocket emoji. Okay, if you're gonna give something a rocket emoji, Steve, you know it's gonna be the one. Yes, and you also know it's out of this world, right? So, <laughs> yes, definitely out of this world. Well, Jens, I have one more story for for you, and you know who it involves. You got a Dave Grohl story. I do, I do. Uh, I'm nice. delivering. Um, well, so. Jens, Dave Grohl and his mom are going to co-host a new docu-series um, there uh, that looks at the relationship between musicians and their moms. Now, she famously uh, wrote a book about, you know, moms of uh, rock stars. And I forget exactly what it's called. Uh, actually, it's right here. Um, it's, it's based off her 2017 book, From Cradle to Stage, Stories from the Mothers Who Rocked and Raised Rock Stars. I read uh, probably about half of that book. I don't know if I made it all the way through it, uh, but uh, I did read a, a good amount of it, and it's it's interesting. You know, she she interviewed uh, mothers of a lot of rock stars, and um, and it's a pretty interesting take. You know, I mean, like from moms who are obviously very proud of their mm -hmm. their their kids who grew up to you know to change music, right? And yeah. um, and so this is one of 36 original series set to launch on the new streaming service Paramount Plus, um, formerly known as CBS All Access. Okay, I didn't know that. Wait, wait, is, this another, is this something else I have to pay monthly for? It, it is, yes. Uh, just keep <laughs> adding up the subscriptions, right? Uh, so. Man, I got to get a budget on how many subscriptions I'm paying for. All right. Yeah, no, so. I know. That's so but she's doing the interviewing. So wait, Dave Grohl's mom is doing the interviewing. She already did interviews with all those, uh, but that they don't tell a lot more than that. This is, I guess, just in the initial stages. So we'll see, okay. um, see what comes of it. But um, maybe they recorded video of these, you know, interviews, and it's going to be kind of edited in a docu series sort of situation. That would have been smart if they used a video platform, you know, for these mm -hmm. things. So um, hard to tell, right? You think. Now. Uh, do you think in 16 years we can expect a part two and uh, they're going to interview the dads? We, uh, one can only hope that 16 years from now we'll get a, <laughs> a part two with dad interviews because the dads are so often left out. So, yeah. Well, Jens, that's our show for today. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that actually. You know, I love the backstory, you know. Uh, is whether it's the moms or the dads or you know the families sharing the stories you know i mean i'm sure there are, there are tons of like huge you know and insightful and interesting moments 
sure. There are. There are indeed. And uh, so this will end the, uh, the 200s episodes for Concert Pipeline. Uh, next week, we will have the big 300 episode. Uh, please make sure to tune in for that. Um, check us out on our socials, uh, facebook.com forward slash Concert Pipeline pod and at Concert Pipeline everywhere else, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Obviously, you can check this out uh, in video format if you like. Uh, and so Jens, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.